Our gospel this morning is from the 10th chapter of Matthew's gospel, verses 40 to 42. Jesus said, whoever welcomes me, whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. These three little verses of Matthew's Gospel seem a little bit out of context, all on their own, plucked like they are from chapter 10. So before we get to the point of it, for me this morning anyway, I feel like we need to back up and set the stage some, especially for um, those of you who haven't been with us the last week or two to hear some of these bits of Matthew's gospel. Up to this moment in chapter 10, Jesus has been laying out the details for his disciples about their job description. He's been preparing them to hit the road and to get about the work of preaching and teaching and sharing the good news. He's already given them authority over unclean spirits, you might remember. He's already charged them with casting out demons and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. He's told them to announce that the kingdom of God has come near. He's instructed them about how to dress even, and he's told them where to go, with whom they should stay, and what they should be wary of out there in the world. He could have used a field guide, perhaps, Evelyn. And a lot of what they can expect isn't pretty, to be honest. Just before what we heard this morning, Jesus warns his disciples about that. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all because of my name. So it doesn't sound like such a great gig being one of these first disciples hitting the streets with the word of God, knocking on doors to share the good news of the kingdom, preaching the gospel, teaching about God, healing the sick, inviting yourself into the hearts and lives of people who may or may not want anything at all to do with what you're up to. And I kind of wonder, with all of these marching orders then, if Jesus may not have had some ulterior motive. Of course, I'm sure Jesus wanted the dead to be raised and the sick to be cured and the good news to be preached and all the rest. But I wonder, too, if the whole point of sending the disciples out into the world that way, with all those rules and expectations and warnings even, was so that those first disciples, those rookie believers, could get a feel for what it's like to be on the other side of every door, looking to be welcomed themselves, hoping to be heard themselves, longing to be received themselves by whoever would have them. See, even though they were new to all of this, these first disciples were insiders to a movement 
that was about to take off in a pretty big way. And they were insiders who'd just been given tremendous responsibilities and unbelievable authority, remember, to cure the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to preach and teach and forgive. That's the sort of stuff that might go to a person's head, don't you think? It's the sort of stuff that's so good, it's the kind of power that's so mighty, it's a grace so amazing, it might make a person, it might make a people lazy, or entitled, or stingy with the good stuff if they aren't careful. For instance, a disciple might want to stay put after a while instead of walking all over Galilee and let the sick come to his house for a cure, for a change. Or a disciple might want to hang a sign out front with office hours during which time demons might be exercised. Or a disciple might think the forgiveness of sins would be more efficiently accomplished conveniently in large groups at, say, 8.30 or 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Or a rookie disciple might think this grace of God stuff is so good that it will sell itself once word gets out about it. And if people don't show up, if they don't bend over backwards to receive this gift, it would be their loss, not the disciples' problem to worry about. But this morning, Jesus also says, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. On the top of all the rest, Jesus means to raise up gracious, generous, selfless, humble, hospitable, welcoming disciples. Whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones. I read in an article this week about how the Catholic Archdiocese of Indianapolis issued some new guidelines warning that transgender kids may not be allowed to enroll in their schools. Apparently, there is an eight-page document, a field guide perhaps, called Policy and Complementary Norms on Sexual Identity in School Ministries. And it means to offer guidance about how to deal with students who have sexual identity or gender identity experiences that vary from what is typical according to the average bear or according to the traditional teachings of the church. Specifically, and admittedly, in a very incomplete nutshell, I haven't read all the things there are to read about it, but what, from what I can tell, kids are welcome to attend school, even if they identify somewhere outside of the typical traditional norm and expectation of the church. But once a student does something to legally change their identity, um, gender-wise, from their biological sex, or once they physically alter their given biology, they may simply no longer be allowed. But Jesus said, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Now, I don't mean to pick on our Catholic sisters and brothers. We are in the same Christian boat with them as far as I'm concerned. They were just in the news this week. We Lutherans have been down similar roads before. In fact, I was contacted this week about a rumor that an educator at a local Lutheran school was fired for the immorality of being gay. 
And it's not all about sex and gender, although the church is fascinated and flummoxed by sexuality and gender too much of the time. I got an email not long ago, too, from a friend of a friend who told me that she wanted to be a part of a church, but that she'd screwed up so many times in so many ways that she was such a prolific sinner, according to her family and as far as any faith community she'd ever known was concerned, that she was anxious and scared to even set foot inside the doors of a church. You would be surprised, perhaps, to know how many people out there in the world make that kind of a confession to me once they find out what I do for a living. Anyway, all of this reminds me about how stingy we can be with the good stuff of God's grace. And because of it, I'm afraid too many churches in the world are known more for who they don't welcome than for everyone that they do welcome or should be sharing cups of cold water with, as Jesus might say. And what struck me about all of this this time around is that there were no eight-page documents of policy and procedure. There were no field guides when Jesus sent those first disciples out into the world. And if there had been, it would have had more to do with the disciples than it would with those for whom they were trying to reach with God's grace and good news. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple. We are insiders, you and I, to God's movement of grace in this world. As far as I can tell, most of us gathered here online today have been welcomed already into a community of faith, into a family of believers, at the waters of baptism, to the table of forgiveness, and we know the blessing and the fullness and the gift of that welcome in our lives. Now, there are some folks on here who I'm not sure about that for. If none of that feels true for you yet, I'm especially glad that you're hearing this today. I hope it sounds like an invitation to the love of God in a way that you've never felt or been invited to before. Because I think, like those first disciples, that we are to be reminded about what that sort of grace and welcome feels like, what that kind of mercy and forgiveness and love means for us, so that we are sent out into the world around us, offering it up like so many cups of cold water to thirsty pilgrims wherever we can find them at all costs, to anyone, to everyone who hasn't been welcomed or received or listened to or loved just yet in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.